Okay. So, um, I guess we should just, just go, right? Yes. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Hamsteak Podcast. This is episode nine. I'm Alex, and I have never read Homestuck before. I'm Lydia, and I have read it before. So we're going to read it piece by piece and then tell you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week we read um, pages 2660 through 2769. Did I get that right? Yes. Awesome. The, the beginning of Act 3. I am the person who... No, 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 that's not through the beginning of Act 3. No, that is the beginning of Act 3, I said. Oh, it is. We're in, we're in Act 3. That's yes. where we are. We're in Act 3. God, the first two acts are so short. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to be in Act 3 for, I want to say... I don't remember exactly, and I can't be bothered to look it up, but, like, the next four or five episodes, I think, um, sure. like, including this one, and then we're going to go into an intermission, and it's going to be exciting. Nice. So, this is, the, I mean, I think I say every episode, like, and this is where it gets, like, big and weird, but, like, <laughs> it just keeps, like, ramping up. Right. Um, can you tell I like this comic? <laughs> okay. Um, but, so, we open up. Um, this week on finally, like, fully revealing our dear friend, Gigi, who has still yet to get a name. Yeah. So, she's asleep on the floor. She is, as we will later find out, prone... She enjoys sudden fits of narcolepsy, which I actually take a little bit of issue with because narcolepsy is actually, like, pretty debilitating. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess if you assume that this is a different sort of, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I assume that it was some kind of magical narcolepsy. Yeah, it's, that honestly doesn't, whatever. whatever. <laughs> That's not much better. It's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right. Uh, but she's slumbering peacefully. There's a pumpkin next to her that should look familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, because very soon it's about to get, um, a purified away. Yes. Or, excuse me, it's going to get disappearified here, and it's going to appearify in the future in the little compound, ideally, with the wayward vagabond. Yes. He's going to eat it. So, in the future, in the past. Right, in the future that we've already read about, in, in yeah. the narrative past. Yes. Um, it's going to disappear, uh, which apparently is something that happens quite frequently to the pumpkins. Yeah, the pumpkins seem to, as soon as they ripen in this little uh, garden, they disappear. Yeah, which is a shame, because Jade really loves to grow... Oops, I named her. <laughs> that's alright, because that's, like, on these pages. Yeah. she. So, we briefly identify her as Farm Sink Buttless. Yes. Which is my fave. <laughs> and then, um... But then she, she chides us for, uh... In her sleep, she's holding a note that chides yeah. us for calling her that. Exactly. And then she tells us her name via note while sleeping. Um, yeah. Jade Harley. Yeah. Oh, I also want to talk about um, a little bit briefly what you can figure out if you assume, which I think is, I think makes sense. I mean, yeah, it, it like it's logical. Um, so, if you assume correctly that the pumpkin that disappears in this scene is the pumpkin that, that appears yeah. in 
with WV, you can look at the coordinates on the console on page 2635, where he appearifies it from, and actually look up where she lives. Oh. Um, yeah, which is um, in the ocean on a volca- volcanic island about 50 miles north of Winslow Reef, Kiribati, and 150 miles southeast of Baker Island. And one more thing. I'm gonna... Wait a minute. I'm gonna do the thing. She is... You have to zoom really far out to see anything, which is kind of cool. So she lives... I mean, the nearest real landmark is she's, like, um, northeast of Australia and, like, Papua New Guinea, but, like, she's not that she's close. Not close to it, yeah. <laughs> she's really not close to anything. I'm pretty sure Hussey stuck his finger right in the middle of, like, the Pacific Ocean. Sure. So there's no uh, real-world island at that coordinate? There's no real island, no. Yeah, okay. Um, and then, uh, which makes sense, because we can see, like, dinosaurs flying over it at one point, I think, so... <laughs> Um, and so I, I spent a ridiculous amount of time trying to figure this out, but her time zone, she's actually just north of the international date line. Um, so she's on UTC minus 12 time, um, uh, based on that, that timestamp on page 2635. Um, which is like the last time zone. Yeah. Um, so if she is, if it's 1213 at that moment when the pumpkin gets disappearified, it's uh-huh. 4.13 for John in the Pacific in the Pacific Northwest, so we're meeting her at the same time as all the other kids. Right. Well, I think we already established that. It goes back to the exact same moment, right? Okay, fine. Like, <laughs> I want credit thank you, for it. <laughs> thank you like for doing the math. <laughs> it was so stupid. I mean, like, I spent a bunch of time doing it, and then I ended up looking it up in the wiki. Um, uh-huh. And... Learned it all in, like, two seconds anyway. <laughs> well, I'm no, sometimes cool. it's really good to go the long way around and figure stuff out for yourself. You know what? You're right. Maybe it was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> um, so, what was I saying? Oh, right. So, I, um, a couple weeks ago, I got the name Roxy the Lawn spoiled for me as a Homestuck character. And I thought that that was the fourth child that we were going to meet this week. But it wasn't. It was another that's another person who we'll meet later on. So it was still a surprise for me to learn Jade's name, which was nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. She has an interesting... But yeah, okay. We're not going to meet Roxy for a good long time. But you're going to like her a lot, I think, when you do meet her. Okay. I love every I love every single girl in Homestuck. <laughs> Just unequivocally. Um but yeah. Let, tell us about are they, what are they your are they your homegirls? They're not all my homegirls, but um But they your homestuck girls. Oh yeah. Uh, That's what mm, I was doing. I I, just, I got hung up on how much I would never ever use the word homegirl ever. Yeah, no. No one no one would. <laughs> Yeah. Um, tell us about her, tell us, tell us some more about Jade, because you had a lot more to say about her than I did. Yeah, I, I took some notes about her appearance. Um, she has a, a floor-length skirt that I, it looks like it's made of denim, 
and she also wears like Adidas or like Reebok like um, sports shoes with stripes on them, which is a really good combo. She's such a nerd. Yeah, and so her shirt starts off with a blue pumpkin on it, but it actually it turns out that her shirt is randomized. And, like, her wardrobe atron or whatever her machine is. Wardrobe of fire. Wardrobe of fire. Not that it's these... ever going to be important again. Because <laughs> all these machines have weird names for no reason. Um, it's It was set on, set on shuffle. So, like, her shirt keeps changing. But then a bit later on we see um, she chooses three shirts. And they're actually, like, a poll that was done with the audience, which is cute. She chooses three shirts? Yeah. No, she chooses one. Uh, she selects three, but I think just, like, the top one. We'll, we'll get to that later. She just picks the one Adam, and then that's all it is for the rest of the story. Okay. Yeah. But I, you're right, they, they, did, they did a poll, and some something like 1,600 people voted on what this girl's shirt should have on it, so... Um, is that all? Is that all? 1,600 doesn't seem like a lot. I thought... Homestuck was a lot bigger than that, even at the, at the beginning. Mm, no, it, it got a lot bigger huh. after that. And you also have to consider, like, poll response rates. Not everybody votes in the poll. Yeah, but this is really important. Yeah. And, like, I feel like 1,700 unique hits is, like, non-negligible. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, and she also has um, these colorful reminders, which are just basically uh, string or something on They're her string. fingers. Yeah. Um, and she has one reminding her it's John's birthday, and then she has another one reminding her it's John's birthday, but in a different way, which is really cute. Yes. And it's important. Ah. That, that those mean those things, and we're not going to really figure out why for a while. Okay. Um, so we also get to play the flute as Jade with... Um, every single keyboard key. Except for the Z key, which makes her fall asleep. Oh no, I didn't hit that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, which I thought but you was can cute also, Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah, it was cute. The whole thing was cute. I didn't know about that. Mm. Um, but you can also play, like, a bunch of them at once, and she just, like, spasms around the screen. Yeah, if you just, all I ever do on that page is just key smash, and it's very yeah. pleasing. Mm. She can't actually... Like, the the conceit is, like, you're supposed to think, like, oh, it's, like, Rose, like, playing her violin or whatever, but she picks up this this flute and, like, can't do fuck all with it. Yeah, and it turns out she doesn't even play the flute. Yeah. Um, okay, so wait, so, um, you have something to say about how she's not in Australia? Oh, no, yeah, I just, because we established yet yeah, last week that she's not in Australia. Right. But you were, you were closer than I had thought. Yeah, I, I don't remember how I got to that. I think it was just arbitrary. Yeah. Or, like, based on the Enverons. Yeah. Um. So she lives somewhere that she falls asleep without remembering, and things appear and disappear for no apparent reason. So, like, she lives in some kind of weird space, is my feeling. Yeah, weird stuff happens around her a lot. There's mm-hmm. there's reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she also has, um, so for her fetch modus, the mechanic with which she stores and uh, uh, gets items, 
She has a whole bunch based on uh, board games. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Operation and Monopoly. Um, I assume that most of these are just like gags and will never actually be used as viable options. Nope. Um, but also some of them will be used and she starts by equipping her guests modus, which uh, splits every item into two cards and she has to ma- like get two matching cards. Um, but since she's psychic, she can just get them normally with that. She's just like, oh, I get everything on the first try. I wonder why. Yeah, she's like... The way that she deals with her being psychic is very, like, blithe. Mm-hmm. Which is funny. She's just like, I just know things. It's mm-hmm. fine. Um, 20... I wrote just the word future at some point, And I don't... <laughs> I don't remember why. And I need to find out. Oh, select memory. So... I must have, like, subconsciously wrote that or something, um, because that actually does come up again a long, a long way from now. Okay. In a different sense. She also is the first character we've seen to actually, you know how, like, every time you meet a kid, you have to suggest them to do, uh, like, I think with John, it's squawk like an imbecile and shit on your desk. Yeah. And none of them will do it, and Jade's like, you tell Jade, like, squeal like a pig and fertilize some plants. And mm-hmm. she's like, I'm not going to do it. And then she does it. Yeah. <laughs> she and actually she's does, like, like, run around like, and fertilize plants. Yeah, it's just like, this is fun. <laughs> um, she is a sweetheart. Yeah. And then we see more of her um, her atrium. Yeah. It's so pretty. It is. So there's these really interesting kind of geometric, non-realistic flowers. And also a bunch of pumpkins and other plants and it's just very very nice it's in this like glass like a greenhouse basically um and then it turns out that there's multiple rooms of this yeah it's so big and it's so pretty and i really like the art here because it's a mix of like geometric like sort of abstract looking flowers and then like um what hussey will do sometimes for elements of these panels is like just, like, Google image stuff, but then, like, um, like, uh, crank the contrast up and put it in black and white. Yeah, so But then recolor it. Yeah, I feel like there's a name for the, what he's doing, like a Photoshop technique, but it's just, like, a pixelated, um, black and white image, but then he colors them. Like, very brightly saturated colors. And so it's this mix of, like, hand-drawn and, like, found art. And, like, it's mm-hmm. so... Like, the color... I'm a sucker for extremely bright colors. So I'm mm-hmm. just, like, I want to spend all my time in this atrium. That's interesting. Because I, like... I find it visually interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I could, like, spend a minute in that physical space. Oh, really? Like, the... <laughs> Yeah, those, like, bright colors and, like, weird pixelated stuff, like, I couldn't live there, personally. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't want to live in that room, but I'd, like, if I had like, that it, room in my house, ha- I would want to live in that room. What am I saying? I'd set, a, set up a cot <laughs> right in the middle, and, like, oh my god, it'd be so clutch. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we may have different tastes in decor. Yeah, I think so. 
Um, and then, at that point, I finally noticed that her shirt had been changing. It kind of took me a while to pick up on it. Yeah, I didn't notice until she went up to her wardrobe of fire. Um, but what I did notice in her living space is that there's a symbol on the floor, similar to, but not exactly, the triple star of David that was seen uh, with WV last time. And it turns out it's a teleporter, it's but a, it's called a transportalator. It's called a transportalizer. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my I, god. I mistyped that. Okay. You're forgiven. Transportalizer. Transportalator. No. Doesn't doesn't matter. Um <laughs> And then you've written down modus fun aside, you feel it is impossible to have too many fresh fruits and vegetables on hand. Because uh Jade goes around and just picks some fruit to fill her modus. She picks little fruits that grow on her little bonsai trees, which isn't technically accurate because bonsai trees grow full-size fruit, but she picks (laughs) some tiny fruits and uh, just wants to carry them around with her, and I think that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um... And then, I don't know, I love the the gag of how they introduce these transportalizers, which is just the direction... The action is like, Jade, go downstairs. And then you click on that, and all you see is, like, a flash of green flame, and she disappears, and the caption is just, you hardly ever use the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. Um, So then we see Jade's room, which is brightly colored and hellacious. (laughs) And I love it. Hellacious? Yeah. I, I don't know what that means. Um, I mean, I don't know. Let's look up the definition, because... Uh, I just use it as, like, a lot. It's, like, it's, like, real out there and kind of terrible, but very (laughs) great, bad, or overwhelming. Wow. There was this hellacious hailstorm. So, like, egregious. Yeah. But, like, instead of talking about, like, an effect, it's referring to, like, a state. I see, okay. More. Um, and she's got, so what does she have going on? She's got a lot going on in her room. She's got... Yeah, a lot going on. Um, there's puppets and toys that look like smuppets, but not quite. Like, they're definitely different. Mostly they don't have, like, the big dong noses. <laughs> the absence of dong noses is notable and laudable. Mm-hmm. There's also a poster that ha- has sweet bro and hella Jeff art, but, like, photoshopped to be, like, a lion. And another animal. Signed. It's signed? Yeah, it was signed and sent to her by TG. Oh, wow. A.K.A. Dave. <laughs> Turn tech godhead. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so she has a lot of interests, which include uh, anthropomorphic animals um, and Mark's womanship. Yes. Which is weird to me. That someone would just, like, casually be into... Like, she 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 specifies, like, I could never hurt an animal, but I just like shooting things. Um, which is just weird to me as, like, a baby and also a Canadian. As a... What do you mean as a baby? Just, like, guns are very, like, alien to me, I guess. Mm. Anyway. Anywho. Yeah. So, what is, so, what is the Becquerel? So the Becquerel, yeah. Becquerel? 
Becquerel. I you would know how to pronounce it better than I would. I don't. I don't French. Uh, I don't think it's a French word. Okay. Oh, or no, I guess it is. Um, probably, I think it's an English last name derived from French. Sure. Like of French origin. I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, um, it's a unit of radioactivity. Oh. Um, so it's basically, I was reading about it a little bit. They developed it to prevent math errors that arise when you do math involving like inverse seconds. So like seconds to the minus one. Because it's a unit of how many events, how many radioactivity events happen in a second. So if you're doing, you know, like some number to an exponent, seconds to the minus one, and then you like do like exponent math gets weird and like it's radioactivity. So like you don't want to do your math wrong because like you Wait. kill yourself. Okay. What? Math. Yeah. Don't when you when it. you like add and multiply exponents together, if you read the seconds to the minus one. If you read the minus one on the seconds, I mean, as, like, an actual exponent and not just, like, an indicator of the unit, it's a problem. So they were, like, instead of writing seconds to the minus one, let's let's introduce this unit, the Becquerel, um, and that will mean this is how many times a nucleus decays in some way in a given body in a given uh-huh. second. It's, like, hertz, but instead of being, like periodic phenomena happening within a second, it's uh, aperiodic and it just has to do with radioactivity. Okay. Yep. Um, so Jade Specimus is a gun, which... <laughs> You're so phased by this. Mostly just... No, that, that, that note is just because it's funny because my answer for Specimus <laughs> is gun... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so then Jade spends a while thinking about her furry posters, and she, like, there's, like, a cute little, like, rhapsodic, like, interlude about her, like, imagining, like, going and, like, turning into a wolf and, like, running around with the wolves or whatever. And then the last line is just, you eat a weird bug and don't even care. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it. And, like, he, he pokes fun at furries, but, like, in such a charitable way. Like, he's so charitable to the, like, innocent, like, kids on these, yeah. like, forums and whatever who are just like, yeah, I want to be a cat person. Uh-huh. Um, and they even, like, kind of get at that later on when she's digging around. It. Someone, supposedly the reader, like, says, like, oh, like, go go get your fursuit or whatever. And, um, and, and she's like, why would I ever dress up like an animal? I just want to respect them. Yeah, it's so, like, oh. Yeah. Because I, um, yeah, I get that. Every, I, I feel like every, like, little girl is like, oh, what if I was, like, a wolf person for, like, two seconds at some point in their lives? Oh, every kid, for sure. Mm. Um, so she has a chest full of uh, fortune-telling... Garbage. ...apparatus, yeah. Um, including a book called Problem Sooth, <laughs> which got a cackle out of me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's P-clever. Um, Problem Sleuth being, if you're just picking up with us, um, the comic that Hussey did before he started Homestuck. Mm-hmm. So it's another MS Paint adventure. Yeah. Um, um she also has, uh, like a magic eight ball, which is garbage. Mm-hmm. But which, yeah, okay, sorry, you go first. She doesn't, like, she wants to destroy, but she's afraid to because she's superstitious. Right. 
So, so she's like, it's garbage because it's always wrong when I ask it things that I know the answer to. Like, is today my friend John's birthday? Which it is, but it says not exactly. Mm-hmm. The magic eight ball is right. Yeah, I, I figure. <laughs> uh, they do lay it on pretty thick, but... Do you mean, like, metatextually? Like, this is taking place not on John's birthday? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, literally, it's not exactly his birthday. Is that a spoiler, if you explain that to me? Yeah, I can't. Okay. I, it's such a spoiler. <laughs> all right. So, so she has this magic eight ball, which she thinks is wrong at the time, but might be right all the time. Um, but she also has... And, like, an opaque white magic eight ball, mm-hmm. which she's, like, this is always right, but I, but you can't see what it says because it's, like, a solid ball and the thing inside is not visible. So, yeah, so it's a magic cue ball that is frighteningly specific and always accurate. But you can never see. But you can't, you can never see it. This gag won't pay, I went and counted, <laughs> this gag won't pay off for 1,400 pages but it's really good when it does. Okay. Um, and then, okay, so then we're exploring the rest of Jade's room, and um, she, like, does nuclear physics. She, like, builds nuclear technologies. Uh-huh. Which I love. Yeah, and so she, yeah, she's, like, a tinkerer. Um, and she, since she's psychic, she just always gets things right on the first try. Like, when she's building nuclear... Um, gadgets which is pretty good it's pretty good not to get those wrong pretty good and also but like she's just got little like lumps of radioactive material sitting around her bedroom uh-huh. which is like um yikes i think the um, laws of radioactivity are a little bit different in this comic yeah considering wv like ate a lump of uranium <laughs> yes but also she's feeding so she she cooks some steak, but she cooks it radioactive to uh, feed her her pet Becquerel, who I guess eats radioactivity. Uh, yep. She irradiates a steak, and then uh, you start. Jade like breaks the fourth wall and like allows you to try to use her modus. Hmm. Um. So she's trying to get her cooking gadget out. But instead, uh, we, I guess, as the you, the proverbial, the proverbial you, who is interacting with her, with a mouse, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, with a cursor, um, just selects all of her fruits, which have become alive and jittery. Yeah. Like they have little faces and they're dancing around. Yeah. Those so, fruit images get reused so many times and they never stop <laughs> being funny to me. That's good. Um, so she puts them in her refrigerator, which is a really weird gag. Um, all her, like, gadgets and technology are, like, weird joke names of the real thing. Mm-hmm. But refrigerator is supposed to be the weird joke name of the in-universe normal name, which is, like, refrigerator. Refrigifyificator. Yeah, there you go. Refrigifyificator. Yep. So that's a, that's a really dumb joke, but I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny. And then, um, 
we sort of get through a gag, and at, at one point, Jade is, it's like, Jade is beginning to regret letting you break the fourth wall to do this. And at yeah. that point, for, like, kind of the rest of our time with Jade, I read all the narration in, um, if you've ever seen that, like, BuzzFeed video, The Perfect Guide to Holiday Etiquette. Oh, is that the Zay Frank video? No, it's the one where it's like, Billy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Zay Frank. He, um... Yeah, he's the, like, producer of BuzzFeed Video. Billy <laughs> has made an indentation in his mesh. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's it. I love, that's say Frank. He, uh, he's a very good vlogger, but for the past couple of years, he's just been working for BuzzFeed. Nice. So I guess he, like, he puts out more videos than anyone else, but he's just not in many of them. I see. Which is sad, because he's very funny, as you can tell. <laughs> it's really funny. I'm always like, it's a fucking BuzzFeed video. And then it's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's not a BuzzFeed video, though. It's like a, it's like his auteur project for them. Yeah. Billy. <laughs> his mash. <laughs> Billy is sad. <laughs> Billy doesn't have any friends. <laughs> Okay, back to Homestake. So back in Homestuck, Andrew Hussey drops yet another Arsler. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, it's not even, like, funny or necessary. I mean, like, it's never funny, but it's, like, not even, like, remote, like, ah! Yeah, there's no, it's just a non-sequitur. It's just, yeah, it's just random humor. I mean, like, that's kind of always what it is. It's like, ha ha ha, I... T- trotted out an offensive word but like mm-hmm. are you 12 you're clearly not 12 mm-hmm. anyway i sorry i need to i guess get better at like i don't know no we're gonna we're gonna mention that and call him out for it every time it happens yeah because it i think it happens decreasingly frequently but it's yeah because it happened i think a couple times in like the first two readings yeah um, yeah, Dave drops a different slur later in this reading, too. It's not good. Mm. But, yep. Um, so, yeah, Jade is apparently resistant to radiation. Um, and then, um, she picks up her base. Mm-hmm. And we get a very, very lovely bass line. Mm-hmm. And animation, which uh, zooms out to show our whole house, which is uh, really interesting. It's like, how, how would you describe it, Lydia? They are very tall, narrow, cylindrical towers with bulbs on the top, and a bridge sticking out near the top with a, a similar but much smaller version of the tower attached vertical mm-hmm. hanging in midair with another little bulb on top and that's i believe what jay's room is in yeah and then at the very bottom there's the um the greenhouse which is like kind of four uh square rooms out jutting out from the tower at right angles right with glass like glass rooms um and that's all uh in the shadow of the volcano on the side of the crater with the frog temple in it that, that we saw last time. Yep. The frog temple from, like, before there was life on Earth. So, that's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so she's, she's, she's saying that she's, like, 
she has to go out and run errands. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, wh- where? Where is she going to run errands? She has to feed Beckroll. But where? Where does she get food? Don't worry about it. I I think the implication is meant to be that the fr- the refrigerator is actually generating the food. Okay, but where? How does? I mean, she is also anyway. like she she grows food in her garden and she like knows how to hunt. So maybe oh, she she's... knows how to. Hunt. But she doesn't hunt though. Well, she doesn't turn it on innocent animals, but maybe she hunts for food. <laughs> she she hunts criminal animals. I don't know. She hunts guilty animals. People who hunt for food have bizarre logics, but I mean, like, I really wouldn't be surprised if that was how she was getting this steak. She she hunts animals who have sinned. Um, something something blah blah circle of life. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> um. Oh, and we see a blue package parachuting down to her, which blue is That's John's right. color, so it's it's. Ah, John's there we go. Color. Yeah, I, I thought so. Yeah. Um. Oh. And, but she's wearing a blue shirt, and John's wearing a green shirt. Yeah. Is that, like, their connection? Like, because the, the, the two of them are similar in design, and uh, what were you saying before? Like, they're similar in um, personality? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I can't touch that with a ten-foot right. pole, because it's spoilers, but it's good that you're noticing. Um, oh, so then Jade opens her computer, which she carries around in a cute little lunchbox. She does. Which she can do, yeah. because it's just, like, a little, like, gear-shaped object um, that spawns this, like, big holographic virtual environment. Exactly. That takes over her whole room. It's really pretty. Um, and then we see her open up. So, okay, first thing is her browser is Echidna. Mm-hmm. Uh, have we seen Echidna yet? No. Okay, so her browser is Echidna. Um, is that a mythical thing, or just the animal? I believe we have seen Echidna before. I think that's Rose's browser, too, but... I don't think so. Okay. You're right. No, we wouldn't have seen her. I'm, I'm correct on, on these correspondences. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's Echidna. Okay. Uh, I could look up the mythological significance, but it's not really important. <clears throat> so you have a little uh, spiel here on 2008 era UIs. So please elaborate. Oh, yeah. So all I was going to say is I vividly remember people talking about flat UI a couple years ago when it started really becoming a buzzword. Um, and I yeah. don't, I'm not going to put a date on it because I don't follow this stuff super closely. So I don't know exactly when that was, but I believe it was around 2010. I did put a date on it. Something. No. Yeah. I think you're right. Something like that. Yeah. So like long enough now that like, we don't really think about it, but I definitely remember when it was like, when it first came out and I was like, this looks like shit and I hate it. <laughs> and now, um, I look at like, like old UI with like drop shadows and like, uh, Shine the, and like yeah, 3D yeah, metaphors, exactly. sort of. Exactly. And it's just like, God. Oh. And it's also low resolution, too. Right, yeah. So it's this, like, it's essentially pixel art. Yeah. So it's like, oh boy. <laughs> you tried. That's. Yeah, and there's so much um, skeuomorphism. Like. What? That's, that's the word, right? It's the word for um, when you make a digital thing 
look like the um, the physical thing, like having a, a notebook, like a a, a, a note taking app that looks like a like a notepad in real life with like grain. Right, right. How like, like the notes app in the iPhone used to have the stupid font. Yeah, or like a t- like a torn like page at the top. Yeah. Yeah, that's called skeuomorphism. Okay. And like that used to be like before Apple went flat UI. Yeah. They were really pushing that. Like the old calendar app had like a leather border. Oh. Yeah. Cute. <laughs> Tedious but cute. So, okay, so yeah, I want to talk a bunch about Pestertron because first of all, yeah, it's enamel. I love the UI conversation. Um, I love how rapidly it dated itself, yeah. uh, because it was definitely cutting edge at the time, and it's so not now. Um, the other thing is, I can't elaborate on this for Alex's benefit, but if you're a, a return reader, the handles we see in the Troll Slum are Carcinogeneticist, Arachnid's Grip, Twin Armageddon's, Terminally Capricious, Caligula's Aquarium, and presumably a bunch more. Like, the scroll bar is very small, um, mm-hmm. so it looks like... There are a lot of them. I had forgotten how many of them were contacting her. Okay. That's all I can say. All right. I'm not going to touch that. Um, It was nice to see them, though. (laughs) (laughs) So we see that she uh, has gotten a bunch of messages from Dave, who was trying to contact her while she was asleep, but then just kind of started talking to himself. Right, he seems to do that when the people he's trying to talk to aren't there. He does that with Dave. Uh, he does that with John, sorry, and I think he does that with Rose, too. Yeah. And Rose does that with him, I think, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think so. They're funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, he, like, drops a homophobic slur right mm-hmm. in the beginning of it, but, like, that is funny. It's completely nonsensical. He, like, does this, like, bizarrely, like... I can't tell, he, like, I think starts it as, like, an ironic bit, and then just gets, he, he like, ironically creates a fursona, and then, like, gets more and more involved in the design yeah. of this fursona. Yeah. This, I think he, he describes it as, like, some, like, Cirque du Soleil back-arching fuck, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. Something like that. Um, so, I think... I keep calling her Gigi. Um, Jade just kind of ignores Dave, I think. Yeah. For now. Um, and she goes to check uh, mspaintadventures.com. <laughs> and she... There's an update. And it's just, like, a, a shitty drawing of John, like, sitting outside his house with a shitty drawing of the pogo stick. And so it seems like there's, like, an invert, like, an in-universe, like, shitty version of Homestuck comic going on online. Yeah, so if you look at the, the the action underneath that is end intermission, so the implication is that the shitty Homestuck is the intermissions of, um, the Midnight Crew. Oh, I see. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, man. So then we have a Midnight Crew animation, um, and I still don't really know how to parse these. Like, Lydia has mentioned how they kind of tie in with the main comic, but Lydia, is there anything interesting that we should note in this animation? Um, just that we get their names, um, which are all, I still don't understand Hart's boxcar. That still annoys me. That's, I don't, boxcar? I don't. Well, he's like an insectoid, right? They all are, but like, 
So no. so he can have whatever name he wants. I know, but it's... I mean... We'll meet them later. There is more ridiculous stuff going on than that. I actually love them, but... We meet their enemies, the Felt, who all have um, hats with numbers and designs that correspond with, um, like, billiard balls. Okay. And then meanwhile... All four of the Midnight Crew correspond to suits card and a suits. deck of cards. Yeah. So yeah, we have we have a lot of um, uh, like classic game metaphors, right? So we have the chess metaphor for the the battlefield up in Skya. Right. Um, we have the the playing cards metaphor. We have the billiards metaphor. Um, I think those are the three big ones so far. But pay attention to those because they all stay important. Nice. Um, so then we cut to Dave Strife, uh, but it's not with his brother, it's with Cal, the puppet, who is not alive at all. Um, what's happening is Bro is moving so fast that he's essentially moving, like, manipulating Cal around, and it's like Dave is fighting a live-action stop-motion puppet. That is such a, like, great, concise way to describe it. Yeah, it is live-action stop-motion. <laughs> I hesitate to say that Cal is not alive, but okay, at least here he's being mean. like he doesn't seem to move of his own volition. Not right now, he doesn't. Okay. Well, so far, like I mean, so far in the comic, it seemed like every time he moves, it's uh, the bro right doing it. You're not wrong. So as far as I know, he does not move of his own volition. Right. Um. So yeah, so he gets Dave gets his shit wrecked by this puppet essentially, yeah. uh, to a great track. Um, I also want to mention that before when, um, when Dave was sort of talking to Jade as she was asleep, he sent her, they apparently like send music back and forth and they like work, they like collaborate on tracks and stuff. It's really cute. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, I didn't have a chance to listen to this music player. I assume that all these remixes are listenable. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't had a chance to listen to it all, but I probably will after we record yeah, they're cute. They they bear they bear a listen. Nice. Um, I also I think it's really cute that when Jade does um, respond to Dave, he, she's like, she code switches to be like, "Oh, hey, bro," and then she like laughs. Yeah, she like. I mean, she's just making fun of how he talks. Yeah. Um. Hey, bro. Haha. Sup or whatever. And like. Yeah. Exactly. She like can't keep a straight face. She can't do it. Yeah. It's cute. Um, but so then we switch over to um, a conversation. I think this is like an old conversation between um, Rose and Jade, where Rose is like, I'm not so sure that this is... I need your, um, I need your like, future forecasting advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I know you said this was the day we were all going to... Uh, I think she says we're all going to play a game together, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it was going to, like, change everything, I think? Yeah. I'm going to double-check my quotation. Yeah, she said we're gonna, it was going to change everything, and, um, like, Jay didn't know the name of the game. Right. But now, but when this conversation happens, Rose has received the game, and so has John. So it was probably not actually in the past, I think. Oh yeah, I think we are we are watching this unfold. Yeah. Um anyway, I also just like love them 
talking to each other. This this comic has its problems, obviously, but it passes the Bechdel test with flying colors, mm. um, which I think it deserves a lot of credit for. Um, because, like, I, I, I feel like Rose and Rose and Jade and all the other, like, girls we're going to meet, like, are, are some of the most, like, real-feeling, contemporary, like, teen girl characters I maybe have ever read. Sure. Um, nice. Yeah, I really love them. I really love how they're characterized. I really love how they interact with each other. Like, they're, like, supportive and, I don't know, like... Jade is just like, it's just, she can't tell her everything, but she's like, just be patient and be brave and everything will be okay. Yeah. So I really like, um, Jade's whole deal with like, kind of being the prophet of the group. Like, she's kind of directing them in like, where, like how to act in the future. But she's just doing it so like, sweetly. And like, she's like their bubbly prophet. She's like, oh, like I know this doesn't make sense, but I believe in you, and I, I know that we can do this. <laughs> yeah, she's really, like, she's extremely, like, posy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, her her um, typing style is so posy. Like, it's so, like, ten exclamation points and five hearts. And, like, maybe some people don't like that, but I, like, I genuinely love... Like, it, that just makes everything feel so genuine to me. Yeah. Which I think is interesting, because, like, I comment on this a little bit later. Um, I can remember from my, like, earlier reads of this comic, always finding, um, always reading this kind of, like, desperation and loneliness into Jade. Oh, oh yeah, I can see that, too. Yeah, because, like, she lives, um, like, essentially all alone. Like, I mean, she has her guardian there, but they obviously, they don't seem to interact very much. Um, and, you know, it's such a remote island, like, she obviously doesn't have any, like, real-life, like, friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, like, had seemed so, like, so sad and, like, isolated to me. Yeah. Um, but I think on rereading it, like, I don't think she's meant to be read that way. I think you, you can read that into her, and I don't think that that's an invalid reading. I think that's an interesting reading. But the way that I'm reading her this time is, is like, just, she, like, is very genuine. Like, she is very secure in herself and, like, not necessarily lonely. Like, this is all she's ever known, and so she is actually pretty comfortable and, like, seems to be, like, totally thriving. Like, right. So I don't yeah. know. And uh, she's clearly, like, I, I read her, like, effusive, like, enthusiasm and, like, joy and compassion and stuff as a lot more genuine. Yeah. Or not not genuine, but, like, a lot less desperate. Sure. Yeah, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that your, um... Yep. Your relationship with her is so nuanced. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad my relationship with this fictional character is so nuanced. Anyway, meanwhile, Rose is climbing down the... She grabs her taxidermied cat and scuttles down the ladder into this mysterious, greenishly lit... Yeah, so um, so she was uh, stuck in the mausoleum for a while. Meowsoleum. The meow... Well, that isn't canonical. That's just my pun. Um... Or is that is that from the comic? No, you just you just made that up. Okay, um, but yeah, so the generator caught fire, um, and then her mom in the house like opened a secret panel under the coffin, 
or sarcophagus. Um, and that seems to be a tunnel that leads to the laboratory next door. Right, but and before we get to... No, sorry, go ahead. It just seems... Uh, Rose seems very unfazed by this, that there's a tunnel on her property that goes next door. I mean, like, think about, like, A, where she lives, like, and B, like, the kind of person that her mom is. Like, you know? I guess. And C, I don't like, re- kind well, of I don't really know what kind of person her mom is, but I guess. Well, like, they live in, like, a mansion on top of a waterfall in, like, the secluded woods, and her mom is, like, a reclusive alcoholic, and, like... Okay. Uh, does things like buy 12-foot wizard statues to put in the living room. <laughs> right. Like, and, like, build a mausoleum for her taxidermied cat. Like, how, you know, I yeah. feel like this is not the most surprising thing Rose has ever discovered. Fair enough. Um, then we have a little story file where we see the peregrine mendicant. Mm-hmm. Um, where this giant worm comes out of the sort of, like, apple base that fell off of a giant white tree in the WV Ascend that we watched last time. Yes, and it, this is the location of John's house in the past, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And um, so this, this giant metal worm comes out and starts chomping on one of the mailboxes that she's pushing around in her little cart. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh-uh. And she reaches for this, like, very, like... Um, like or like ornate black sword. Yeah, it's totally incongruous with her surroundings. Like everything is totally like beat up and like destroyed and. But it made sense to me. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel uh, out of place for her to have this like ancient sword that she's found somewhere. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I mean, like I love I love the way it looks. Yeah. Mm, so. She gets ready to go fight this worm, and then um, we get a game fact that John writes. He, like, adds okay. to the game fact. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't say I would write that it was John, but that's kind of my process of elimination, who I figured it was. Oh, yeah. He, I think he signs it at the end. Well, he signs it with um, an ASCII uh, drawing of the Slimer worm yeah. that he wears. Um, I don't think he signs his name. Oh, okay. Um, but he also, I think he name drops, like, the other three characters that we've met so far. So, he's like, it's him. Right. It's also pretty clear from his typing style. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so he's just adding some info to the game pack, and he's like, I don't know if anyone's, like, alive still, <laughs> or if anyone's just not reading this, uh, but I'll just, like, put some more info about all these weird like, machines that are in this weird game that I'm stuck in. Yeah, so, go ahead. So he um, he kind of explains, like, he's, like, in my, you know, as, like, a, as an amateur hacker, I figured out that the uh, punch cards, like, the, the card code, the punch codes that go on the capture log cards have, are, like, an encryption pattern. So he kind of reverse engineers how they work, which is a cool, a cool detail, but I have no interest in seeing if he's correct or not. Yeah, those details honestly aren't that important. Yeah. It, yeah, it feels, I mean, like we said before, it's kind of the joke that Hussey put all the work into that when no one's going to bother following up on it. Right. 
I mean, the sim- the system itself is fairly simple, but, like, then he put all the work in to, like, describe it in excruciating detail. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was pretty funny. But, yeah, those details, honestly, are not that important for the future. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it does help you kind of understand what's going on a little bit better. Um, but, so, I just wanted to point out that Hussey is clearly even capable of calling people, like, big idiots without, like... Dropping really offensive slurs. Right, yeah. <laughs> he, he uses, the phrase that he uses is whopping stupid horse butt. <laughs> which is really fun, which is like actually genuinely funny instead of offensive. Mm. Oi. Yeah. Use, well, like, use a brain cell. He'll get better. Um, but So there's a, a link at the bottom of the page um, to a site to make your own punch card. Um, it doesn't work. Designs, but you yeah, you say it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I mean, like, you can, like, make it punch the design, but then you can't actually, like, view the result, because it's on, I guess, Gankrow's website. Uh, okay. Which isn't, which is no longer active, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get, uh, we see this, we're back to Rose in the underground lab, Laboratory. question mark? Yeah. We do later <laughs> find out it's a lab. Um, and... Up high, there's this huge sign that just says SN, and there's the atomic symbol from Jade's shirt, and then mm-hmm. the sort of, like, spirograph Skya symbol sort of embedded in the S. Right. So there's that. Yes. Uh, and then she moves into the lab, and we zoom out on these this grid of... Blinking green cubes wedged tightly together. Yeah, it's very, it's a very kind of unsettling, nauseous, flickering green. Um, so that's which I actually find it comforting. Oh, really? I was yeah. Well, so I, the family business is fixing computers, so like, sp- like spending time with my dad, or like, like just quietly, like, like a lot of like pleasant. Like, you know, like, the, the times that you spend just sort of, like, by yourself and not really with any responsibility as, like, a kid and a teen. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, a lot of those times, or not a lot of those times, but some memorable ones for me were spent, like, in server rooms, um, where it's kind of fun to just, like, watch the lights or whatever. So it's actually, like, oh. That's so interesting. Yeah. We have such different responses to the colors in this comic, but I, I like that. It is, it's interesting. It makes for good discussion. Yes. Um, I find this flickering green very, very alarming. <laughs> um, like, I don't feel safe here. I love it. I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah. I believe that's the desired effect, but I'm just like, ah, yes. <laughs> she is safe now. No one will ask her to fix their printer here. Yes. So, um, meanwhile, Jade is... Or, meanwhile, in the past, Jade is... Um, she tries to go to, like, she wants to go to the bottom of the tower, but she can only go so far with the, um, transportalizer. She has to go down the few, the last few flights of stairs. And so we see a bunch of, uh, Grandpa's, uh, collection. And so, kind of in the way that every, uh, Guardian so far has had a thing that they collect, um, the first thing we see is taxidermy, taxidermied animals, like, uh, game trophies. But then she goes down another flight of stairs, and there's also suits of armor. 
And then down on another flight of stairs, there's also desiccated mummies. Yep. Um, and then at the bottom, there's all those things, plus um, sun-bleached, faded beauty posters. Like, from spas that he go that he apparently raids as often as he raids like ancient temples <laughs> for these like blue bleached uh like seventies or eighties posters of women with perms. Mm-hmm. And these are um a comforting presence in Jade's life. <laughs> they are her sisters. And that is extremely Extremely saddening. <laughs> yeah, it really depends on what kind of a mood you're in when you read this, how you read that. Um, but yeah, I love, he calls them his beauties. Yeah. Um, and, and he, he like tells her to like aspire to be like them. Yeah. Which I mean, obviously isn't just like a, a unidimensional, like you need to be like glamorous or whatever. Like he also like trained her to, like, be a markswoman and, like, insist that she not, like, leave the house without her gun or whatever, and, like, is trying to, uh-huh. like, sculpt her into an adventuress or whatever, but, right. I don't know, in some abstract way, anyway. He's trying to have yeah. her aspire to them. Um, I'd also like to point out that they are a gag, um, which will come back around in a little over 3,300 pages. Wow. <laughs> and you'll sort of see it coming, but... It's not uh-huh. as gratifying as the other one, the other, like, slow burn gag, but but it's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> it's funny how it's done. Um, so your next note is just, yes, all caps. What is that for? Uh, I don't remember exactly why. Let's find out. <laughs> oh, so I put yes because... <laughs> She, uh, it's Jade, complete your descent. And you click the action. And it's just a close-up of this fucking, like, generic-looking, like, monster face. Like, it's just, like, two wide-set eyes with no expression whatsoever. And, like, Uh a very neutral but, like, wide-open mouth full of, like, spiky teeth. And it looks like, it kind of looks like it's, like, this. it's the, clearly an enormous green worm, but then it looks like it's wearing this on, like, a hood. Or, like, a stocking cap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So stupid. It's, it is. So that's the reason that she couldn't, um, transportalize all the way to the bottom of the tower, because there's a worm sitting on the bottom. And, uh, and her grandfather would not take kindly to her moving it. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then there's someone pestering her, even though she logged off. Mm-hmm. And their handle is carcinogeneticist, and the first thing they have to say is, hi again, idiot, in all caps. Yeah. So they are, um, on her list of trolls. Mm-hmm. Like, which, on the surface reading, if you haven't heard of Homestuck before just means, like, mean people on the internet. You're right. So that's all I'm reading into it. <laughs> purposely right now. It works that way. Yeah. I mean, it works just fine. That's that's how I read it, too. Um, except that they, like, mysteriously... I mean, I, I guess not except, but, like, this troll happens to, like, know things about the future. So. Yeah, so, it, they, so they seem to um, have the same precognition that she has. But they are warning her not to set 
whatever she's setting in motion, um, they're saying, don't do this. Like, don't be stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then she, and then she blocks them. Then she blocks them. But like, I just, I, so I know who this is. Uh-huh. So then, okay. So then after that, we get some, um, coordinates on this kiosk inside the lab that Rose is looking at. And, uh, it's SN hub grid, and then it gives coordinates. And so I looked those up and <laughs> Google p- conveniently shows you that it's actually on the location of uh, a place called Rainbow Falls, like an actual waterfall uh-huh. in Adirondack Park in Parrishville, upstate New York, which incidentally is two hours out of the Ottawa city center, <laughs> which I thought you was funny. Like Ottawa, Canada? Ottawa, Canada. Yeah. She's way up there. Oh, She's, like, my neighbor. Yeah, pretty much. That's, like, yeah, that's as close as um, Kingston is, which is close. Nice. Yeah. I keep forgetting how close um, America is. Uh, It's nearby. It's, I mean, we do share a border. Yes, but it just feels like it's six hours away, but it's actually two hours away. Yeah, they're just anything remotely interesting is at yeah. least six hours away because <laughs> right. It's I, I, that's why like that's why it always boggles my mind that like there is anything in Canada because the further north you go in the U.S. is just like decreasingly civilization. <laughs> like upstate New York is like the boonies. Right, Maine is the boonies. Vermont is like the gun culture is strong in Vermont because everybody shoots for their food. Kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. Um, not everybody. The yuppies don't. But then everybody up in, like, North Vermont. Right. Right. All right. Um. I think we get... I believe we get one more arsler slipped in there, just for a good measure. You know, of course. <clears throat> um, but then she... Ro- Rose, now. Raccoon Rose. Um, she goes to the center. Did you call her Rapid Rose? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> what did you call her? I said I I started I stuttered Rose. Oh, okay. Um, Rose goes to the center of the lab, and there is what looks like a transportalizer pad or transportalizer. Sorry. Nice. Transportalizer pad, um, and so she dumps all her stuff out, and the cat lands on the pad, <laughs> and immediately gets transportalized. But Rose just thinks that the cat has been evaporated. <laughs> she goes ashes to ashes, I guess. Yeah, and she isn't too sad about it, which is a bit concerning. Um, I would consider that there may be layers to that reaction. Okay. Yeah. Well, because she didn't really want the cat taxidermied in the first place. Right. But that doesn't mean she doesn't care for the cat. Sure. Anyway. Um, yeah, anyway, so Rose, um, she figures out that she can just, like, flip a switch on her fetch modus and she doesn't have to uproot the tree quote unquote every time she accesses it which is what's been happening every time she selects an item everything falls out and she makes a real angry face it's kind of funny yeah (laughs) but now she can just like use it normally yeah and then we end on a cliffhanger because um although i mean i feel like at this point in this comic like those countdowns aren't nearly quite such cliffhangers uh-huh. Like, we know nothing bad is necessarily going to happen, but, like, something interesting is certainly going to happen when this 
uh, timer counts yeah, down. Yeah, so, so there's a plaque on the wall, and it says that this lab is unestablished in, and, like, there's a row of zeros, and at the end there's three minutes and 14 seconds left. Which is a funny gag, but also an indicator that something's going to happen. Yeah, like, probably it's going to blow up. And she's just like, well, I hope there's an invitation waiting for me when I open my computer. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll find out next week. We will. Okay, so now we should do uh, listener questions. Let's. So if you want to ask us a question, um, you can send us an ask on Tumblr. We are hamsteakpodcast.tumblr. You can send us a tweet reply thing. We are hamsteakpodcast on Twitter. And you can email us, which is hamsteakpodcast at gmail. We're pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, Our first question comes from Anonymous, who asks, for Lydia, were you into Homestuck shipping in your fandom days? And if yes, are you still into shipping? No, I, unfortunately, my heart is, like, small and shriveled and dead, and um, I (laughs) really have never been into shipping for anything. I don't think that that means your heart is small and shriveled and dead. Um, I think that shipping is a specific um, behavior that some people just aren't wired for. Mm. Like, I've never been into it. It's just never, like, crossed my mind as part of how I engage in media. Okay. Yeah, I th- that's true. I I think one thing that's been interesting about the sort of, like, post-Homestuck era of my life is that, like, a lot of the people that I still follow, like, online and, like, the, the like, the sphere of influence that I'm in now has very much been shaped by, like, the people who I followed who, like, when they were into Homestuck, like, weren't shippers. Do you huh. know what I mean? That's really, that's really interesting. Yeah, because it's a very specific kind of person. We're not a super specific kind of person, but... No, yeah, I think all all kinds of people can be into it. But it's just, like... I guess just, like, having no, like, feeling about it just kind of alienates me from people who are very... have a lot of feelings about it. I agree, yeah. I feel very alienated from the practice. Mm-hmm. And, like, I... like. For me, I, I don't know. For me, it feels kind of like, in some way, it is making characters out to be people who, when they're not, they're not their characters, and the relationships are part of the story. They're not like part of this person's life. Right. Yeah. It. It's. Yeah. That's true. It's this very interesting practice of taking characters out of the the story in which they were created and doing totally different things with them. And, like, I don't know, that gets done in a lot of, like, fan work, but... Yeah. Um, Although I guess I I should say that, like, probably the one exception to my not being interested in in shipping thing was um, in the last two seasons of Legend of Korra, (laughs) when um, it was being, I felt it was being strongly suggested that Korra and Asami would end up together. And I just started feeling very attached to the idea. And they did. I was right. So I feel vindicated. <laughs> They're just such a good couple. Like, that was... That was that was so well done. It was. So that's the thing. Like, it wasn't... Like, it, it. I don't feel like that was shipping, like, a lot of people practice it. Because I was actually just picking up on 
like the author's intention right with the where the story was going and i felt a lot of like connection to hoping that i was correct about that but it wasn't like if it hadn't happened i would have been upset but i wouldn't have been like still upset about it now right you know it's it's kind of how i feel about um i really think that finn and poe should get together in star wars Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great move. I think they would work well as a couple. I think it'd be really entertaining to watch. Yeah. I think the chemistry's totally there. Yeah. I think it should happen. Like, the timing is right. Yeah. Like, you know, audiences would, would respond well. I'm And I'm pretty attached to that idea, but I don't actually spend a bunch of time thinking about it. Um, yeah, exactly. Unless somebody, like, mentions them and mentions Star Wars and it's an appropriate crowd. And then they'll be like, no, 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 but you're on that train with me, right? So yeah. I guess, like, I get where it comes from, but um, sadly I am not a shipper. Which, I mean, I guess this was us doing a lot of talking about how we're not shippers, which isn't to say, like, oh, shippers are scum and they're, like, bad at oh, enjoying no, yeah, like, media. Like, it's just, like, a, it's a different way of engaging with media, which is totally fine. Yeah, it's totally cool. Um, so, no Homestuck ships for you. Uh, oh, uh, no, I don't really have Homestuck ships. Okay. Um, so the second part of this question was for me, and it's who's my char- favorite character so far. Not who's my carrot favorite <laughs> Um <laughs> Who's my favorite character so far? Um, I've got to say that Jade it has really won me over so far with this small amount that we've met her. <laughs> she is adorable and sweet and genuine, and I'm... And mysterious, too. So that's my answer. Awesome. Yeah. I, I Although like I, also, I also like, I also like um, Wandering Vagabond a lot because he was a lot of fun last time. Mm. He's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have another question from Anonymous. Oh my gosh, you guys probably, sent so many. Probably a different person. Okay. Uh, this one is... Dear Hamsteak, I listened to four and one half episodes of your podcast, and since it was such an excellent reminder of what a pedantic train wreck this comic is, and what an abject waste of my time the fandom has been, I will not listen any further. See you in hell, anon. P.S. <laughs> P.S. Lydia, please stop to try. Please try to stop ruining all the twists for Alex. Um. Aww. So I just wanted to say off the bat that I don't feel that Lydia has ruined any twist for me. Um, kind of getting minor spoilers is part of my job here. <laughs> and also I'm asking for them. Um, but I'm also asking for not any, like anything that could spoil more than just like someone's name or something. And maybe we've been cutting that out pretty well. So people aren't realizing that I'm, that Lydia and I, Lydia gets very flustered sometimes when I say something that hits too close to the mark. <laughs> um, so I think we're all good in that department. Um, so do you want to address the first part of that question, Lydia? Um, yeah, so I absolutely agree that um, this comic can be pretty pedantic. It gets more so later on. Um, if you don't really enjoy the characters, you'll get tired of it really quick because I agree that Hussey's narrative voice can be plenty insufferable. Um, <laughs> and I'm... I don't know. 
I'm sorry you don't like the comic. Um, so our final question is from regular listener Dwellington. Hi! So, he has two questions for us. Um, the first part is, would you recommend any other webcomics? Oh boy. <laughs> I just, I just steepled my fingers and stared into the distance for a second. <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna see how many comics I follow. You go, you go ahead. You want me to just recommend some? I'll just... Yeah, I... Okay, go ahead. I am just gonna... I never follow more comics than I can, like, remember to type in the URLs for. And if I start forgetting to type in the URL, then I guess it wasn't sustaining my attention. So whatever's off the top of my head is whatever I find good enough to read, generally. Um, so what I'm following right now is Octopus Pie is totally unrelated to this comic, but um, is also sort of by turns serious and dramatic and interesting and very funny and silly. Like, it has sort of an absurd bent to it, but it's like a, it's a very slice of life, like, 20-somethings in New York City, 20-something weirdos in New York City trying to kind of make it work. And, like, growing yeah. up. Do you know? Yeah. Um, I think we've talked about it on the show before. We have. But, yeah, Octopus Pie is a really good comic. It's great. It doesn't update super frequently, but I'm totally okay with that. So, I, uh, I follow a lot of comics. Um, the ones that are still up that are currently updating that uh spring to mind now that i have my list of them before me um cucumber quest is a very good um comic it is kind of set up as a very classic um kind of rpg quest where there is an evil force that's trying to take over the world and there's a hero who's fated to uh stop that and the hero gets, makes friends, and battles bosses, and travels to different kingdoms, um, but pretty, not, I guess not that early on, but kind of halfway through where we are so far, which is, I think, about 700 pages, um, we figure out that everything is not quite as it seems, and this uh, cycle of fate and light and darkness is not as straightforward as it looks. Um, and it's very interesting, like, the the uh, story is very interesting. Um, but it's also written very well, like, the dialogue is really cute. Um, and the art is, like, the softest, cutest um, storybook kind of beautiful art that exists. Um, it's by Gigi Dici, um, who is a very good artist and a very good writer of this story. Can I add something to that? Yes. So I read Cucumber Quest 2, and just to set up your expectations, um, it is all ages, which should not detract from your... If you have any tolerance at all for all ages comics, it 110% holds up. Um, and also the the coloring in particular. Like, GGDG yeah. is so good at color, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Like, every... Every page looks like a cake that I want to eat. That's how, that's how I can describe it right now. <laughs> so the second part of Dwellington's question is, what are our favorite books? Um, and personally, I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, The Mars Trilogy by Kim Stanley Robinson. <laughs> um, I recommended these to Lydia a couple years ago, and she agrees that they're good. 
Um, these are kind of the, I want to say, the uh, pinnacle of Mars fiction. Um, they're a very science-heavy, um, but also a lot of other uh, field-heavy. No, this is a terrible, terrible explanation. Um, it's a drama set on and the early colonization moving into the terraforming um, political organization and further transformation of Mars. Yes. The characters are all really interesting. Yes. You're right, it does. It delves into a lot of um, different scientific disciplines very competently. Um, it does scientific psychology. And political and, yeah. Right, politi- it does a lot of politics and it does them pretty well. Yeah. Um, Not pretty well, it does them really well, really very well. interestingly. Yeah, um, it's a great, like, it's a great work of writing. Um, and Kim and Stanley Robinson is a great writer, and I would recommend pretty much anything that he's done. Okay, uh, so, oh gosh, if I had to pick one... I mostly only read comics, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't read a ton, period. But um, a book that I read relatively recently that I thought um, was pretty good... Let me <laughs> let me look up the, the title. I mean, it author. could be a print comic, because webcomics aren't taken. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, I know... There's, like, print comics that are good, but I uh, one of my, my favorite books, like, a book that I would absolutely pick up and read again, um, it's called Invisible Sith. Eh. <laughs> Let's try that again. Invisible Sith. It's a Star it, Wars comic. It's book. the Invisible Sith. Uh, no, it's called Invisible Cities, and it's by Italo Calvino, and it's basically an excuse to describe a lot of increasingly, not necessarily increasingly, but just describe a lot of fantastical cities um, in sort of poetic prose and talk a little bit about memory and place. Whoa. That yeah. sounds really cool. It's super interesting. It's a really great read. It's like barely fiction, um, mm-hmm. but it's not really nonfiction either. It's basically prose poetry, um, but it's really, really good. Nice. Um, all right. So I think... That brings our questions to a close. That it do. Thanks so much for sending so many questions, you guys. Yes, thank you so much. That's really, really fun. It's a lot of fun for us. Um, If you'd like to contact us individually, you can find me on the internet uh, at leafcrunch.tumblr.com or on Twitter at crunchleaf. Uh, And I'm... Brickchip on both Twitter and Tumblr, but I like I don't know my <laughs> my personal. Inter- I use the internet as a diary, so it's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> but I mean, you could follow me if you really wanna. Yes, <laughs> I did, uh, and I don't regret it. Yeah, well, I used to post like content. Now it's just like dog pictures and like me complaining about my life. That is content. <laughs> Thanks. Don't apologize for yourself. You're right. I won't. I'm not apologizing for myself. I'm just saying, like, it's definitely not for everyone's... I feel like (laughs) the fact that I make a podcast makes it sound like I'm the kind of person who traffics in, like, actual content, but, like, I don't. I literally just complain. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. And that's the show. Uh, (laughs) 
No. Yeah, that's that's the theme song. <laughs> um, no. Um, okay, so what we're going to read next week, if you want to follow along at home, is going to be pages 2770 through 2879, um, which is going to bring us up just shy of a thousand pages read in total. Um, and it's also going to be our 10th episode. Woo. Yay. Um, things that actually happen in that time span are, I didn't have time to look up most of it, but I do know that, um, uh, John's dad, we find out where he is and, uh, he's doing some interesting things. Um, he's kind of sticking up for himself. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Good. Well, see you next week, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks.